Before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he gave his followers a mission. Go and make disciples. Jesus says this, Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then, Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he says to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And verse 19, so the Lord uh, Jesus, after speaking to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by accompanying signs. And then here in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. So to recap, Jesus, just before he ascends, he says, hey, go back and wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the Holy Spirit. He goes up into heaven. He's exalted. He's coronated. He sits down at the right hand of the Father. What did the disciples do? They followed his orders. They went back to Jerusalem. And in the upper room, what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see the early church gathering together to pray as we did last week uh, weekend. And as we're going to do at the end of the service here tonight, we, we set the groups back up. Uh, the little stations back up. And we're going to take a few minutes at the end of service just to go back in those stations and, and pray. The early church prioritized prayer. And I believe every church that is going to be moving forward for God has to make prayer a priority. Why? Because the power's not in us. It's in God. It's God, right? And that's how the early church operated. They prayed and the Spirit came upon them. They were baptized with the Spirit. And then throughout the book of Acts, we see them being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, man, they went out and they proclaimed the gospel. The church was on the move and disciples were being made. You know that the most common term used by believers in our day, is the word Christian. That's the most common term that we use for for believers today, Christians, right? We call ourselves Christians. Nothing wrong with that. But did you know that the term Christian only appears in the New Testament? Take a guess. Not one time. Three times. Just three times uh, in the New Testament. It's used in the Bible. On the other hand, the word disciple appears 269 times. The root word for disciple appears 281 times. Why is that even, who cares? Why is that important, right? Because Christ did not come to make Christians. He came to make disciples. And before returning to heaven, Jesus commanded us, his disciples, to carry on that work in his absence. But here's the thing. 
Before a person can make disciples, a person must first be a disciple. So the question then is, what is a disciple? Well, the word disciple just simply at its very core means this. It's a disciple is simply a learner. Someone who is set on growing and developing. So a disciple is a what? A learner, a follower of someone, someone who has attached himself to a leader, to a teacher, someone who is growing and developing. Hallelujah. You know, in every, every sphere of life, people learn specific skills from someone who has already developed these skills, right? Uh, my son right uh, now, he took a job uh, with a construction company here in the valley, and he is working under a site supervisor. Uh, Jonathan has no background in construction other than making mud, mud homes in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the mud back in Connecticut. I mean, that's about as much construction as he, uh, background as, as he has. But he's learning the trade under a supervisor. He's following this guy around all day, and he is learning the trade. And how many of us have learned things that way? I mean, thank God for YouTube. Amen? I mean, I have learned to do all sorts of projects around the house by learning from someone else who developed the skill. This is simply what a disciple is. This is how discipling works, disciple-making works. Uh, Robbie uh, Gadley. Uh, Galilee, excuse me, in his book, Growing Up, How to Be a Disciple Who Makes Disciples, defines discipleship this way. It'll be on the screen. Disciple making is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Is that a mouthful? Let me read it one more time. Disciple making is intentionally equipping believers with what the word of god through accountable relationships empowered by the holy spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of jesus christ that is what discipling disciple making is all about here's what i want us to know tonight simply disciple making is jesus's plan, God's plan, God's mission for the church, it remains to be God's mission for the church 2,000 years later. It hasn't changed, church. It hasn't changed. That is our mission. You think about the world today. You turn on the... It's, it's a kind of like, you know, you, 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 that's how we used to turn the TV on, right? Show... See that right there? That, that shows you how old I am, right? We don't, and I was like, you know, it's like, I, do, uh, I don't want to watch. You know what I mean? Like, you see our world today, and you see the problems. You, you see the chaos. You see the hurt. You see the sin, right? I mean, we, we see what's in our world today, and it's hard to picture a solution for all of these problems that we face. But I'm telling you what, church, there is a solution for it. And the solution that God has for the world, there is still hope in Jesus Christ. 
There is still salvation in Jesus Christ. There is still freedom in Jesus Christ. The hope of this world is the church following through on God's mission of making disciples of Jesus. This is still the plan. This is still the mission. Jesus can do this. The gospel can do this. It is our responsibility following the head of the church, following our shepherd to make disciples of Jesus. And so church, disciple making and disciple making alone is the core mission Jesus has given to us. But here's what happens. We easily fall as churches in America today and Christians today, we fall into the the trap of gauging success in the church by the wrong things. We gauge success in the church today by buildings. Now we're getting ready to build a building. And I've heard pastors say, it doesn't matter if you have a building. You know, every pastor I've ever heard say, it doesn't matter if you have a building, they have one. I've never heard a guy who's been renting schools for 18 years say, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, go through COVID without your own building. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. Look, but, but is buildings... Is, is this how we measure success? Will Life Path Church finally be a successful church because we have our own building? Let's not think that way. Because many churches get into buildings and they start fighting and squabbling and sitting down and just relaxing. And, and it's like, time out. That's not the mission. That's not the goal. That's not the end. The building isn't the end. The building is just a tool for us to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's just a tool. It's just a place for us to come together and make disciples. Buildings aren't a gauge for success. Sometimes today we also gauge success by the size of our budgets, you know? Churches, how much money they have and how much money that, that comes in and, and a church with buildings and, and, and a large budget and, and how many bodies are in the room, how many heads that can be counted. Those are the things oftentimes that, that we sit back and we say, there's a successful church because look at where they, look at the, look at the facilities, look at the, how much mo- listen to how much money they have and raise every week. And look at all the people, the streams of cars. That must be success. Listen, I'm not saying that a church that has a large facility and a large budget and has a lot of people, I'm not saying they're unsuccessful, but I'm saying that if they're not accomplishing the core mission of making disciples of Jesus, then it's all for naught. There's all kinds of churches out there that that gather on a weekend. They call themselves a church, but they preach a different gospel. They're not making disciples of the Jesus of the Bible, some other Jesus, some other God. Are you with me, right? You understand what I'm saying? The core mission here, and we cannot forget it, we have to keep this in the crosshairs as we move forward as a church. It is to make disciples of Jesus. So in the book of Acts, here's what I want to just give you quickly. I see six essentials in making disciples. I'm moving through them quick, and I know you're, saying, you're, saying, you're thinking, yeah, Dave, you say that all the time, right? Yeah. You watch this. Here we go. Ready? Just get your paper ready, because we're going to fly through this like lightning, because we're going to pray together. Here we go. Number one, mobilization. Jesus said, go make disciples. Go. You got to move. We can't sit. 
we can't stay in the building. This is one of the big problems with churches and, and buildings is we get, we get comfortable, we stay. This is our, our safe place. The church is not meant to come and stay. It's meant to co- gather, then go. <laughs> gather and grow and give and go out into the world. That's the four G's of Life Path Church. Amen? We're to go out there. Acts tells the story of the early church on the move. They went out. They started where they were in Jerusalem. They went out into the streets and they just started proclaiming the gospel in Acts chapter 2. And you just read systematically through the book of Acts. And I'd encourage you to do that here uh, during the summer. I've been doing that uh, here this summer preaching through it. I I wanted to get a, a good handle on what Acts is all about. But you just read through it. And you just see the church going everywhere, right? They're going. I mean, they start in Jerusalem. Next you know, they're in Judea. Then they're in Samaria. And before you know it, man, they're all over the place. They're all over the world preaching the gospel. So there's mobilization. Number two, there's communication. Because they didn't just go and pass out sack lunches. Right? What did they do when they went? They proclaimed the gospel of Jesus. Look at Acts 2. Look at Acts chapter 3. Look at Acts chapter 4. Look at Acts chapter 5. Just work your way through the book of Acts. And you know what you see every time somebody, one of these apostles get up or wherever they're going, they're always preaching about Jesus. And you start getting into Acts, you start finding out that it gets them into trouble a lot of times. They get arrested. The Jews get all stirred up and there's persecution. Why? Because they're openly, boldly proclaiming the gospel. Why the gospel? Because it's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Church, we have to go out there. Wherever we go, everywhere we go, into our homes, in, into our places of work, into our, our, our places of commerce, where we do business, the, the coffee shops, right? Into our schools, Wherever we go, we are to be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there is mobilization, there's communication, and then there's transformation. You can't make disciples without transformation, right? Peter gets up in Acts chapter 2, if you want to look at it. You can scan down through Acts chapter 2, man. He preaches a gospel. He, He lifts up Jesus. He's Lord and Christ right? You crucified him, God raised him. He's Lord and Christ. And their hearts are pricked. And it says there, they say, what are we supposed to do with this? In verse 37 and and 38, Peter says, repent. And what we find in verse 41 is there were those who accepted the message. They were baptized. And that day, 3,000 people 3,000 people's lives were transformed by the gospel. Amen? Amen. If you don't have transformation, you know, you're not making disciples. You might be making church members, right? You might dunk somebody, but if there's no transformation, transformation begins at regeneration. It begins when the Holy Spirit of God brings conviction and there is salvation, there is, there is the blood applied and sins are forgiven and, and a person is adopted into the family of God, right? That is when transformation begins and then it is a process that goes on through life. I think the fourth essential that we find in Acts is devotion. 
We find this as you read through Acts, as as here they are, Peter gets up and he preaches, people are saved, their lives are transformed, and in verse number 42 of chapter 2, they, what does it say there? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it says in verse 44, now all the believers were together. What's going on here? These believers who were saved, their lives were were being transformed. These folks, they got together. And why did they get together? They gathered to pray together. They gathered to break bread together. They gathered to learn together. They gathered to fellowship uh, together. They gathered, and when they gathered, they gave generously together together. They were devoted to Christ. They were devoted to one another. I don't think you can make disciples at a distance. I don't think you can. I don't think that's what disciples... I, look, I know that with Zoom nowadays, you can, you can be maybe geographically at a distance, but you're still up face-to-face, right? I mean, we've gotten so used to using Zoom nowadays. I mean, our, our, men's, our men's group, right? It, it almost feels like we're in the same room, doesn't it? Right? I mean, we, we hold some prayer meetings and different things, but, but man, it feels like we're face-to-face, man. Right? So I get it. But it's still, there's, a, there's an up-closeness, right? There's a devotion. And church, listen, if we're going to be disciples and make disciples, we have to be devoted to Jesus. We have to be devoted to his word. We have to be devoted to one another. We must be. We have to be devoted to prayer. Devotion is an essential of making disciples. Number five is maturation, right? Growing up, maturing. You see it in the book of Acts, right? I mean, just, just start reading through there, and what you're going to find is these disciples, these guys who are getting saved, we find them developing. I mean, just take a guy like Stephen in, in Acts, a disciple of Jesus, and, and how Stephen becomes one of the, the first servants, right? Uh, uh, some, we use the ter- often use the term deacon, right? But, but here's a guy that we see him in Acts and how he even lays down his life. But we see individuals, men like Timothy, right? And how, uh, as a young man, we see him go from a young man, a young, uh, a young believer, uh, to becoming a mature believer and a leader in the church, right? That's what we see in the book of Acts. The apostle Paul, his life was transformed on the Damascus road. And man, how, how he became devoted to God's word and God's people and how he matured in his faith. Listen, if there's no maturation in your life, if there's no maturing in your walk with God, can you actually say that you're being a disciple of Jesus? How are you ever going to make a disciple if you're not a disciple first, right? There must be maturation. There must be a growth. And the goal of disciple making is always to present people mature in Christ. So your pastor, that is, that is my heart for you. I want to see you grow in Christ's likeness. I want to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in your life. You can't do that artificially. It's his work in our life. But where there's disciple making, there will be maturation. And then the final one that I see essential here in Acts is multiplication. 
And that's what we see, man. People are saved. They go from 120 in the upper room to 3,000 now added to the church. And you just start going through Acts and we find it over and over again. People are believing God is adding to his church. The church is multiplying. Why? Because it's not just all on Peter. Peter got up, he preached that first sermon. But church, listen, the disciple-making happened as they gathered for prayer and for breaking of bread. As they got together, that's where the disciple make. It wasn't all Peter. And so when, when it's not just a pastor, when it's not just a few leaders in the church, when all of us are in that process of being a disciple and making disciples, then it's not addition. Now it's multiplication. How many more people are reached? In fact, I read this week that if every believer were to actually be a disciple and make a disciple, and that continued, right? You make a disciple, and that disciple makes a disciple, and that disciple makes, right? And that just continues. We could reach the world in a generation. In a generation. Think about that. And so when you think about our world and you think about the mission that Jesus has given the church, if we don't accomplish the mission of taking the gospel to every creature and making a set, if we don't accomplish that mission, is it because it's impossible? Do you think Jesus would give us an impossible mission? Would he command us to do something we can't do? Well, in our own, we can't do anything, he said. But in his power, in his strength, with his spirit, right, operating that way as co-labors with God, it's entirely possible. But what's it going to take? It's going to take us knowing our purpose, being committed to the mission, and all of us participating. You got that? We must know our purpose. We must be committed to the mission. And we must participate. And so, be a disciple and be a disciple who makes disciples. Listen, making disciples is not for the pastor alone. Every Christian, every believer is to have a part, is to participate in making disciples of Jesus. One guy said this, he said, every, every person should have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in their life. A Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. A Paul is someone who's discipling you. So let me ask you a question. Who's discipling you? Are you in a Bible study group? Is there someone leading that group? Well, you could say that that person is discipling you, right? Who's discipling you? Do you have a Paul in your life. If not, get, in, get into a group. Now, I know it's summer, and there's a little bit of a, a lull here in some of these groups, but, but as these groups re-engage, as, as the summer progresses here, be in a group that gets together where there is together this growing in the Word and in prayer together, because in those groups, you know, that is where spiritual maturation really begins to happen. Don't we see that, guys? I mean, look, in, in some of our groups, we just, the, the groups that I'm a part of, sometimes we don't even get around to the full of what we had planned for the day, right? 
But what we get into is oftentimes we get into what we're dealing with in life and what the Word of God says about that. And, and how, do we, how do we live with that? How do we deal with that? How do we live that out, hash that out in our life? That we're to be disciples of Jesus. And what is a disciple of Jesus? It's someone who's learning how to live like Jesus. He's learning what Jesus said and how to live like Jesus, how to be in obedience to Jesus. That's what it simply is all about. And so, church, that is our mission. You know what? It takes time. It's a slow process. But it's a process that we are to be continually engaged in. Amen. I, I heard, I'll close with the story and then we'll pray. I heard a story about a, a donkey that was filled with self-importance. He felt that he had it over on all the other donkeys. He was very well taken care of by his humans and that made him feel all the more special. And so he was prideful one day when, when he was called upon for a very difficult assignment. He was strong and he could carry a, a, a lot and, and, and he knew how to give comfortable rides to passengers. So he wasn't surprised one day when, when he was called on for this special mission. He was to give a ride to a person who was going into the capital city. What did surprise him was that wonderful greeting given to him by the crowds. People were laying down palm branches They were even laying down their own coats on the ground before him. Wow, I'm really something, the donkey thought. People are really appreciating me for all that I'm doing, that's for sure. But the truth was, the celebration wasn't for him. It wasn't even about him. It had nothing to do with the donkey. You see, he was carrying Jesus. He was simply carrying the message. And what we need to remember as a church is this. It's not about us. It's not about us. We don't need the world to look at us and say, wow, look what you guys accomplished over there in Happy Valley. It's not about us. We're just the donkey. We're just the, we're just the, the messengers. It's all about Jesus. We are carriers of his message and we have been called to carry out a divine assignment we've been given a mission the most important mission of all and our job is to keep taking jesus places to people with the goal of making disciples of jesus and so church it's not about us it's not about now it's about god and it's about eternity Don't forget that. As we move forward as a church and we start putting brick on mortar and stuff starts, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about right now. It is about God and it is about His plan. It is about His glory. It is about His mission and it is about eternity. Why? Because disciples are being made and the disciples that will be made for all eternity, praise God, They'll stand around the throne singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Amen? So as we move forward, what are we, what are we to be doing? Playing church? Making worshipers? No. We're to be making disciples. When you make a disciple, you get a worshiper. Are we to be making great dads? Uh, 
We're to be making disciples, and when you make disciples, you'll get some great dads. Amen? That is what our mission is. Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to do what you've called us to do, we pray in Jesus' name. 